chapter one of the jeffersonians eighteen o one to eighteen twenty nine by richard b morris this librivox recording is in the public domain jefferson's administration eighteen o one to eighteen o nine the election and inauguration margaret bayard smith describes the election and inauguration jefferson's first inaugural address the election and inauguration on election day in eighteen hundred thomas jefferson won a clear victory over john adams but almost did not become president the constitution required that presidential electors cast two ballots the winner became president and the runner-up became vice-president jefferson's running-mate aaron burr who had been nominated for vice-president received seventy-three electoral votes the same number as jefferson this strange situation occurred because the constitutional convention had not anticipated the rise of party politics when john adams had defeated jefferson in seventeen ninety six jefferson as the runner-up was elected vice-president if parties had not developed by eighteen hundred adams as jefferson's opponent would surely have become vice-president but because parties had arisen all of jefferson's electors gave burr their second vote a repetition of this kind of deadlock was avoided for future elections by the twelfth amendment the constitution stated that if the two leading candidates were tied the election should be decided by the house of representatives the trouble was that in eighteen hundred the house was controlled by the federalists and not by jefferson's party the federalists nearly elected burr president because they disliked him less than they disliked jefferson margaret bayard smith describes the election and inauguration fortunately for the country federalist alexander hamilton who knew burr was unfit to be president opposed his party's plan to defeat jefferson but while this crucial decision was being made the nation waited breathlessly the excitement in washington is recorded in the following selection from the notebook of margaret bayard smith wife of the editor of the national intelligencer it was an awful crisis the people who with such an overwhelming majority had declared their will would never peaceably have allowed the man of their choice to be set aside and the individual they had chosen as vice-president to be put in his place a civil war must have taken place to be terminated in all human probability by a rupture of the union such consequences were at least calculated on and excited a deep and inflammatory interest crowds of anxious spirits from the adjacent county and cities thronged to the seat of government and hung like a thundercloud over the capital their indignation ready to burst on any individual who might be designated as president in opposition to the people's known choice the citizens of baltimore who from their proximity were the first apprised of this daring design were with difficulty restrained from rushing on with an armed force to prevent or if they could not prevent to avenge this violation of the people's will and in their own vehement language to hurl the usurper from his seat mr jefferson then president of the senate sitting in the midst of these conspirators as they were then called unavoidably hearing their loudly whispered designs witnessing their gloomy and restless machinations 
aware of the dreadful consequences which must follow their meditated designs preserved through this trying period the most unclouded serenity the most perfect equanimity a spectator who watched his countenance would never have surmised that he had any personal interest in the impending event calm and self-possessed he retained his seat in the midst of the angry and stormy though half smothered passions that were struggling around him and by this dignified tranquillity repressed any open violence though insufficient to prevent whispered menaces and insults to these however he turned a deaf ear and resolutely maintained a placidity which baffled the designs of his enemies the crisis was at hand the two bodies of congress met the senators as witnesses the representatives as electors the question on which hung peace or war nay the union of the states was to be decided what an awful responsibility was attached to every vote given on that occasion the sitting was held with closed doors it lasted the whole day the whole night not an individual left that solemn assembly the necessary refreshment they required was taken in rooms adjoining the hall they were not like the roman conclave legally and forcibly confined the restriction was self-imposed from the deep-felt necessity of avoiding any extrinsic or external influence beds as well as food were sent for the accommodation of those whom age or debility disabled from enduring such a long protracted sitting the balloting took place every hour in the interval men ate drank slept or pondered over the result of the last ballot compared ideas and persuasions to change votes or gloomily anticipated the consequences let the result be what it would with what an intense interest did every individual watch each successive examination of the ballot-box how breathlessly did they listen to the counting of the votes every hour a messenger brought to the editor of the national intelligencer the result of the ballot that night i never lay down or closed my eyes as the hour drew near its close my heart would almost audibly beat and i was seized with a tremor that almost disabled me from opening the door for the expected messenger for more than thirty hours the struggle was maintained but finding the republican phalanx impenetrable not to be shaken in their purpose every effort proving unavailing the senator from delaware james a bayard actually a representative the withdrawal of whose vote would determine the issue took his part gave up his party for his country and threw into the box a blank ballot thus leaving to the republicans a majority mr jefferson was declared duly elected the assembled crowds without the capital rent the air with their acclamations and gratulations and the conspirators as they were called hurried to their lodgings under strong apprehensions of suffering from the just indignation of their fellow-citizens the dark and threatening cloud which had hung over the political horizon rolled harmlessly away and the sunshine of prosperity and gladness broke forth and ever since with the exception of a few passing clouds has continued to shine on our happy country jefferson's first inaugural address 
as the author of the declaration of independence and many memorable state papers thomas jefferson was with abraham lincoln one of our two greatest presidential writers the following speech which he delivered on march fourth eighteen o one is an eloquent statement of democratic principles jefferson approached the office of president with humility and a conciliatory attitude towards his opponents the simplicity and directness of his prose contrast greatly with the flowery and lengthy eloquence of most speakers in his day friends and fellow-citizens called upon to undertake the duties of the first executive office of our country i avail myself of the presence of that portion of my fellow-citizens which is here assembled to express my grateful thanks for the favor with which they have been pleased to look towards me to declare a sincere consciousness that the task is above my talents and that i approach it with those anxious and awful presentiments which the greatness of the charge and the weakness of my powers so justly inspire a rising nation spread over a wide and fruitful land traversing all the seas with the rich productions of their industry engaged in commerce with nations who feel power and forget right advancing rapidly to destinies beyond the reach of mortal eye when i contemplate these transcendent objects and see the honor the happiness and the hopes of this beloved country committed to the issue and the auspices of this day i shrink from the contemplation and humble myself before the magnitude of the undertaking utterly indeed should i despair did not the presence of many whom i here see remind me that in the other high authorities provided by our constitution i shall find resources of wisdom of virtue and of zeal on which to rely under all difficulties to you then gentlemen who are charged with the sovereign functions of legislation and to those associated with you i look with encouragement for that guidance and support which may enable us to steer with safety the vessel in which we are all embarked amidst the conflicting elements of a troubled sea during the contest of opinion through which we have passed the animation of discussions and of exertions has sometimes worn an aspect which might impose on strangers unused to think freely and to speak and write what they think but this being now decided by the voice of the nation announced according to the rules of the constitution all will of course arrange themselves under the will of the law and unite in common efforts for the common good all too will bear in mind this sacred principle that though the will of the majority is in all cases to prevail that will to be rightful must be reasonable that the minority possess their equal rights which equal laws must protect and to violate would be oppression let us then fellow-citizens unite with one heart and one mind let us restore to social intercourse that harmony and affection without which liberty and even life itself are but dreary things and let us reflect that having banished from our land that religious intolerance under which mankind so long bled and suffered we have yet gained little if we countenance a political intolerance as despotic as wicked and capable of as bitter and bloody persecution during the throes and convulsions of the ancient world 
during the agonized spasms of infuriated man seeking through blood and slaughter his long-lost liberty it was not wonderful that the agitation of the billows should reach even this distant and peaceful shore that this should be more felt and feared by some and less by others and should divide opinions as to measures of safety but every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle we have called by different names brethren of the same principle we are all republicans we are all federalists if there be any among us who wish to dissolve this union or to change its republican form let them stand undisturbed as monuments of the safety with which error of opinion may be tolerated where reason is left free to combat it i know indeed that some honest men have feared that a republican government cannot be strong that this government is not strong enough but would the honest patriot in the full tide of successful experiment abandon a government which has so far kept us free and firm on the theoretic and visionary fear that this government the world's best hope may by possibility want energy to preserve itself i trust not i believe this on the contrary the strongest government on earth i believe it the only one where every man at the call of the law would fly to the standard of the law would meet invasions of public order as his own personal concern sometimes it is said that man cannot be trusted with the government of himself can he then be trusted with the government of others or have we found angels in the form of kings to govern him let history answer this question let us then pursue with courage and confidence our own federal and republican principles our attachment to union and representative government kindly separated by nature and a wide ocean from the exterminating havoc of one quarter of the globe too high-minded to endure the degradation of the others possessing a chosen country with room enough for our descendants to the thousandth and thousandth generation entertaining a due sense of our equal right to the use of our own faculties to the acquisition of our own industry to honor and confidence from our fellow-citizens resulting not from birth but from our actions and their sense of them enlightened by a benign religion professed indeed and practised in various forms yet all of them inculcating honesty truth temperance gratitude and the love of man acknowledging and adoring an overruling providence which by all its dispensations proves that it delights in the happiness of man here and his greater happiness hereafter with all these blessings what more is necessary to make us a happy and a prosperous people still one thing more fellow-citizens a wise and frugal government which shall restrain men from injuring one another shall leave them otherwise free to regulate their own pursuits of industry and improvement and shall not take from the mouth of labor the bread it has earned this is the sum of good government and this is necessary to close the circle of our felicities End of chapter one